0: All right, so we are on lesson number 11, as you can maybe not so clearly see. Uh, Dare dare to be meek, lesson number seven. So lesson, lesson number seven, lesson number 11. Um, Previous lesson we looked at, uh, lesson number 10, that was like profound right there. Um, But we looked at um, dare to raise your children Uh, And just looking at uh, just all the, uh, even as being children, we're all children to some extent, we still have parents and we're still God's children of uh, just how we need to um, just really kind of what dad's been talking about of there's some things we, we just need to be resound on some things and just say, we are never going to do some things, and we are always going to do some things where we're going to choose to serve the Lord because if we don't already have our we've seen there with situation with David and some of his kids if you don't have your mind made up in this situation, you tend to make the wrong choice so so now we're on lesson number eleven dare to be meek and kind of paralleling this to David and Absalom and what a terribly sad um story this is. Um there's lots of lots to be learned in there. Uh let's open up in a word of prayer. Andy, could you open us up in a word of prayer? Father, just
1: thank you for bringing us back to your house tonight.
0: All right. Excuse me. Um, so we so we know David. And he's uh, known as a great warrior and king, and a leader in all of his mighty men. Um, of course, he's he's the one that slew Goliath. Um, but one of one of his best traits that we don't often see or think of him when we see David is his meekness, um, and that is shown just how he deals with Absalom um, when it, during Absalom's rebellion. And, and just, you just see, yeah, a love for his, his son there, willing to sacrifice a lot for that. Um, has one definition of meekness is to be easily imposed on. That one's a tough, tough one for myself and, uh, yeah, so, but to easily be imposed on, uh, and you do know those people. Uh, they're really neat people. Where you really are never an imposition to them. They're just like, like, man, I wish I could be like them. Is you know, always willing to help and yeah. Uh, but the, but it's it's tough to be. But that's what uh, meekness. One one of the definitions of meekness is. So. Um, When we follow the biblical premise of meekness found in Romans uh, 12.10, in honor preferring one another, we are being like the Lord Jesus Christ who lived his life as the ultimate example of dying to self. Point number one, and for uh, Becky, I'm not sure if you're familiar with our system, but do you know what wordscape is? Yes. Okay, so this is our little version of wordscape, so you kind of have to to imagine a little... So each uh, each little blank in the book um, is that right there. So basically, it's, it's word scramble, but yeah. yeah, tried to make it look cool. You're you're a school teacher, so you, you know, it's, a, it's be easy on us. So. <laughs> Point number one: the crisis. crisis. Ooh, <laughs> beat Becky while you while you got the draw there. <laughs> Uh the crisis David had long been the authority in the land, but as it uh, but as is always the case where God has established a plan, Satan will come up with a counter plan. This is especially true in a situation in which God is truly blessing and re and looking through that um when I was studying this yesterday um this seems to be really applicable uh, today. I really feel like there's a lot of really neat things going on in a lot of different people's lives. I feel like the Lord's just right there, uh, ready to do something really amazing. But devil's right there, too, trying to just, just destroy everything. Um, so, yeah, we've got be, to gotta be ready. Uh, yes. It would be really neat to see what God does. Uh, David had won many great victories as a man after God's own heart, and now Satan was trying to undermine what God had ordained. Uh, Referring to 2 Samuel 15, 1-37. God allowed this as a part of David's reaping the consequences of his own sin, as we've seen in previous lessons. In our own lives, when it appears that things are going smoothly, and though we may feel strong spiritually, we can count on the fact that Satan is on the prowl and we cannot afford to let our guard down. Uh, 1 Peter chapter 5, uh, 8 through 9. Are you going to be able to? All right, so we're, we're going to try this out. If you're not able, we'll go, uh, we'll go Keturah, Becky, Katie, Andy, back to me. If you're not able to do it, just say pass. All right, so we'll go to the game, game thing here. So I'll read verse 8. Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, as a roaring lion, walketh about, seeking whom he may devour.
1: Resist
0: steadfast in the faith, knowing
1: that the same afflictions are accomplished in your brethren that are in the world.
0: Calmness and contentment can turn into crisis and chaos in a heartbeat, with no warning at all. We must stay close to God at all times. Deuteronomy 33. Verse twenty seven. The eternal God is refuge, and underneath um, are the everlasting as we as we see, you know, God always promises uh, strength, and he'll never tempt us more than we're able, uh, but he does try us and make us stronger and purify his gold. Uh, but in that we're not promised the Christian life is gonna be easy. As a matter of fact, it promises that there will be um, forms of, um, oh, just lost my word, I'm not a wordy, um, trials and, oh, help me out here, persecution, that's the word I'm looking for, persecution, promises that. But um, it's not without re- reward, um, we just need to lean on the Lord there. All right, Subpoint A. Absalom what David challenged Absalom challenged David in second Samuel 15 1 through 12 we see that Absalom tried to place himself in a position that was not his to take his approach might have seemed innocent to the average um, but he you know he said he was there to solve problems when we when we look at uh, that verse verses 2 through 4 in in 2 Samuel 15, Uh, all would agree that by solving problems and lightening the king's burden was praiseworthy. But as is so often the case, Absalom's seemingly innocent and generous offer was also accompanied by a disloyal comment about his father, the king of Israel. Absalom said, How unfortunate that no one has been assigned to hear you. Insinuating that his father did not really care about the people. We also see that Absalom does his best to draw the people to himself. The result of this combination of actions is that he stole the hearts of the people. Referring to verse 6 there. Notice the combination of promises and subtle or not so subtle accusations of the rival. Have political campaigns really changed all that much in 3,000 years since Absalom tried to dethrone his father? Not really. Yet there is much more at stake in the story of Absalom and David than politics. In the attitudes and actions of Absalom, we can hear an echo of Satan saying, I will be like the Most High. Uh, Referring to Isaiah 14, 14, And yea, hath God said... um, Genesis 3.1 It should always cause great concern when someone who should be serving the person placed over him instead usurps loyalty from others. This can happen uh, in the workplace or in the church and that is kind of taught um, it doesn't take much looking into training in business that's the way you climb the corporate ladder uh, it's taught as a good thing in, in the world. Uh, an employee may seek to garner support from his co-workers at the expense of his employer, a deacon, Sunday school teacher, uh, Lord help us all. Or layman may imply that the pastor is too busy to deal with the problem or somehow lacking in the leadership ability. The Lord plainly states it is an abomination to him when people sow discord. Uh, Proverbs six sixteen and 19.
1: These six things that the Lord hate, yea, seven are an abomination unto him. He that soweth discord among
0: brethren. And if you look in those previous verses, there's all sorts of like nasty things that that go along with that. That's all associated with. Those things that the, the Lord hates. And seven are an abomination unto him. God's word says, instead to honor those who are in authority. David himself stated when dealing with Saul that he did not want to touch the Lord's anointed because he knew it would not be he would not be held guiltless. Uh, Absalom uh, however was not such a man. Like his brother Amnon, he had no regard for the Lord. Although subtle, uh, Absalom challenged David's authority by trying to turn the favor from David to himself. Subpoint B: David was faced with a Dilemma. All right. Dilemma. David was faced with a dilemma. <clears throat> in 2 Samuel 15, 13-37, David now finds himself facing a most unpleasant dilemma. He can stand and fight and defend the throne of the city that was rightfully his, or he can step aside and allow God to settle things in his way and in his time. We now see David and his men, as well as the priest... And the ark leaving the city. Although his son Absalom was obviously in the wrong and was in fact committing outright treason, David did not want to fight against him. Here David exhibited the same sort of meekness he had exercised with Saul. David could have fought against Saul. After all, he had been anointed as the next king years before. And at least twice he had Saul completely at his mercy. But he chose not to harm Saul and to let God have his way in a situation. Uh, And in due time, David saw God resolve the matter perfectly. Despite his sorrow, David knew that God would do the same with the rebellion of Absalom. Uh, It is interesting that those who knew David best, his family, his servants, even at the moment of crisis, remained loyal to the biblical leadership in their life. It certainly did not look as if David was going to be on the winning side. But they knew the wisdom in following the man God had chosen. This choice to follow was not an easy one. In fact, it involved traveling afar off. It is often true that doing the right thing will necessitate paying a price. Consider the members of the Hall of Faith in Hebrews chapter 11. Doing the right thing is seldom easy or convenient. But these servants and family members knew David was on the Lord's side. The Bible shows us two examples of those uh, who faced a dilemma in which they were in the right, but who responded with meekness. Uh, we'll look at Abram in Genesis thirteen seven through nine. Uh, is that me? Okay. So I will start out verse seven. And there was a strife between the herdmen of Abram's cattle and the herdmen, herdmen's, blah, herdmen's. Herdmen of Lot's cattle and the Canaanite and the Perizzite dwelled then in the land.
1: And Abram said unto Lot, Let there be no strife, I pray thee, between me and me, and between my herdmen and my herdmen, for we be brethren. Case not the whole land before thee. Separate thyself, I pray thee, from me. If thou wilt take the left hand, then I will go to the right. Or if
0: thou wilt depart to the right hand, then I will go to the left. Right. And we look at the example uh, that Christ set, <clears throat> excuse me, in Isaiah fifty-three seven.
1: He was oppressed and he was afflicted, yet he opened not his mouth. He is brought as a lamb to the slaughter, and as a sheep before her shearers is dumb, so he opened it not his mouth.
0: And also Matthew twenty-seven eleven through fourteen.
1: And Jesus stood before the governor, and the governor asked him, saying, "Art thou the king of the Jews?" And Jesus said unto him, "Thou sayest."
0: And when he was accused of the chief priests and elders, he answered nothing.
1: And unto him, thou not how many things they witness against thee? And he answered them to never a word, insomuch that the governor marvelled greatly. And also we'll look at Luke twenty, uh, twenty-three,
0: thirty-three through thirty-five.
1: When they were come to the place which is called Calvary, there they crucified him, and the male factors, one on the right hand and the other on the left. And said, Jesus, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. And they parted his raiment and cast lots.
0: And the people stood beholding, and the rulers also with them derided him, saying, He saved others, let him let him save himself, if he be the Christ, the chosen of God. And also first Peter, well, that kind of sounds like uh, what. Um, brother reader was talking about this morning yeah yeah just don't tempt god uh first peter chapter 2 verse 21
1: through 23 for even here were ye called because christ also suffered for us leaving us an example that ye should follow his steps who did no sin neither was Pharaoh found in his mouth who when he was reviled reviled not again when he suffered, he threatened not, but committed himself to him, to him that judges, judgeth righteously.
0: Just as Abraham and Christ, David faced his dilemma with meekness. He trusted in the ultimate plan of God, resting perfectly content in the trial God had him in. All right, point number two the conflict. The conflict. In 2 Samuel 16, 1-17, uh, we see David leaving Jerusalem and Absalom coming in to take the throne. On his way to exile, David encounters a friend who encourages him. He also encounters another enemy, uh, a man who mistakes David's meekness for weakness and takes the opportunity to curse and insult him. This man would eventually come to see the error of his ways but for now, David continues to hold his peace as he meekly submits to the judgments of the Lord. All right, subpoint A David was on the run. Oh, all right. While most of David's family and closest confidence uh, had stayed with him, we see in 2 Samuel 16, 1 through 14, that those outside his inner circle had widely varying responses. Uh, so, so some of his friends. um examples of uh we see we see ziba um often when we when someone's gone through a difficult time it is a tremendous blessing to have you know just someone especially like outside your family to kind of step in and encourage you as you know your parents love you and they're always going to be there um it's always nice to have some an outside person to come in and just encourage you. Um, so this is kind of what Ziba did here uh, for David. Uh, so he was a servant of Mish, um, Mephibosheth, who sought to be a blessing not only to David but also to all them uh, that were with him while while they're on the run. Ziba provided transportation for the suffering. Um, For the suffering king and his company, along with a large amount of bread, raisins, and summer fruit, and even some wine for medical purposes. We can only imagine what the generosity of Ziba meant to the king uh, during this sad time. David certainly needed a lift, and God used Ziba to help provide it. It is easy to give a word of encouragement, but it means so much more when someone is willing to sacrifice to be a blessing true friend will look ahead to try to help meet needs that may not be apparent at the present time. You'll meet someone today who needs a friend. Will you allow God to use you to be that friend? Then we'll look at James 2, 14 through 18. Not sure where we left off.
1: What does it profit my brethren, though a man say he hath faith and have not works? Can faith save him?
0: If a brother or sister be naked and destitute of daily food... One of you say unto them, Depart in peace,
1: be ye warm and filled, notwithstanding, and give them not those things which are needful to the body. What does it profit? Even so, faith, if it have not works, is dead to you alone. Yea, if may say, Thou hast faith, and I have works. Show me thy faith without thy works, and I will show thee okay. my faith by my works.
0: All right, so, a kind of illustration of this um, American. Frank Reed was held hostage in Lebanon for three and a half years. Uh, he was brutally beaten, and for several months, he was blindfolded and chained to a wall by himself. When he was released in 1990, he was asked by the Times Magazine the worst experience of his captivity. He responded Nothing I did mattered to anyone. I began to realize how withering it is to exist. With not a single expression of caring around. I learned one overriding fact. Caring is a powerful force. If no one cares, you are truly alone. now that'd be I can't imagine going through something like that. David had a friend who cared for his needs and his families. Ziba's encouragement may have been just the tool to keep David going in this difficult situation. So when you have friends there's always those that are the opposite. As in the case of the famous Shimei. And I think that's how you say it. Not I'm calling him Shimei for tonight. Uh, he had been loyal to Saul and had nothing but contempt for David. With David seeming, seemingly fleeing for his life, Shimei finally felt free to speak his mind. It's always funny that those people wait till certain opportunities to actually let you know what they're thinking. <laughs> um, so immediately upon sighting David and his companions, Shimei began to curse him and throw stones at him, heaping scorn on the king of Israel. David's loyal nephew, uh, you know, one of those sons of Zeruiah, you know, Abishai offered to close Shimei's mouth by simply removing his head. That's a Easy solution right there. But in the verse uh, in the verses ten through twelve, we see David's measured and spiritual response, another display of his meekness. Second Samuel sixteen, ten through twelve, verse ten says, And the king said, What have I to do with you, ye sons of Zeruiah? So let him curse, because the Lord hath said unto him, Curse David. Who shall who shall then say, Wherefore hast thou done so?
1: Shy and to all of behold, my son, which came forth of my bowels, seeketh my life. How much more now may this Benjamin do it? Let him alone, and let him curse, for the Lord hath bidden him. It may be that the Lord will look on mine affliction, and that the Lord will requite me good for this person this day.
0: Lord Jesus spoke to his followers about facing adversity with meekness in Matthew chapter 5, verses 38 through 39
1: ye have heard that it hath been said, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth.
0: But I say unto you, that ye resist not evil, but whosoever shall smite thee on thy right cheek, turn to him the other side. A Christ meekness and suffering is shown in Isaiah. Isaiah 53, verse 7. He was oppressed
1: and he was afflicted, yet he opened not his mouth. He is brought as a lamb to slaughter a
0: sheep her sheep his stone, so his David reacted to Shima, Shimei's abuse in, in a Christ-like manner. How how do we react uh, when people abuse us for no good reason? Whether it is verbal abuse or physical abuse or both, are we able to exercise meekness in such situations? Yeah, and the kind of the going scenario is the age-old um, uh, road rage. One of those I struggle with, and it's always fun when somebody has a reaction on something they did. <laughs> Maybe show meekness instead of um, reacting back. And all the uh, creative sign language some people have. <laughs> so, sub point B Absalom was on the. In 2 Samuel 16:15 through 17, Absalom was now ascended to the throne. David's enemies undoubtedly said David got what he deserved or there must be some sin in his life. And, and like you know, everything there's always some truth in some things. But you can't uh judge people because we're not the Lord and we don't know everything and um you never know. Um, But they did not know the whole story, nor did they even care. They had been looking for an excuse to condemn the the godly man who acted in such an ungodly manner, and now they had it. And that's often what we do when we're quick to judge somebody. It's normally because we're looking for a reason to do it. Um, And that points to a heart issue with our own selves. Um, At least it's something I see in my my own life. (laughs) We see the same accusatory spirit in the book of Job. Job's friend knew nothing of the discussion between God and Satan, yet presumed to know all of the reasons for Job's misfortunes. Are we guilty ourselves sometimes of judging others based on only what we can see? We would all agree that prejudice as applied to people is generally a bad thing, but we need to be aware that the definition of prejudice is opinions formed without due knowledge of the facts and circumstances attending the question. May we never have an attitude of prejudice like Job's friend and David's enemies. As David left town and Absalom took his place, Absalom felt as if his plans had come perfectly into fruition. He had surely arrived. In the first half of chapter 17, we see the beginning of God's response to David's meekness. Absalom knew he would never be secure in his stolen throne, while David remained a free man. What would be, what would be the best way to pursue him? In 2 Samuel 17:1 through 13 we see two plans put forth by two counselors. Uh, Ahithophel, a man renowned for his wisdom, who had left David and gone over to Absalom's side, offered to take 12,000 chosen men and set out after David that very night. Uh, Hushai, who was actually working undercover for David, advised Absalom to take some time to raise an army out of all Israel and link them personally against his father. This appealed to Absalom's pride, so he endorsed the plan of Hushai. Uh, 2 Samuel seventeen fourteen.
1: For the Lord had appointed to defeat the good counsel of Ahithophel to the intent that the Lord might bring evil upon Absalom.
0: As so often the case, man proposes, but God disposes. And God has the final word. Uh, David had been willing to uh, abdicate the throne rather than to deal with Absalom personally, submitting both to God's judgment and God's will. If vengeance were to be taken on Absalom, David would allow God to handle it. As David had exercised meekness with Saul, he would do the same with Absalom. In both cases, God vindicated David and eradicated the evil in his time and in his way. Today we do wisely when we simply do what's right and allow God to do his own work. illustration here has in the book a story is told of an old man who is an organist for a church he had just recently found out that a much younger man was replacing him the older man sat the um, sat at the organ and decided to play a few more songs since this was his last time while he was playing a young man entered the church the old man was sure that this had to be the young replacement He immediately stopped playing, quickly closed the organ, and, wishing to stall the inevitable, locked the organ with his key. The young man made his way to the front and asked politely for the key. Reluctantly, the old man handed it over and, with stooped shoulders, turned to leave. As the elderly organist was nearing the door, however, he heard the most beautiful organ music that he had ever touched his ears. This young man was a genius. The elderly man turned back and asked the man, now seated at the bench, for his name. It was Johann Sebastian Bach, and his organ playing in the church proved to be the world's uh, introduction to his music. In later years, the elderly organist often wondered, what if I had not given the master the key? Trials will inevitably come to all of us. When they do, we have two choices— Fight to take control of our own lives, like Absalom, or meekly hand over the key to the master, like David did. As we will see, only the latter will conclude well for us. Point number three. Conclusion, I just gave it away. The conclusion. David was on the run and Absalom was on the throne. But now we come to the part Paul Harvey would have to call, and now the rest of the story. Do you know about that, Paul Harvey and the rest of the story? Oh, yeah. It's uh, past your generation, I guess. Just us old people here know about that. But anyway, he would tell, he would talk about a person not giving their name and kind of what they went through in their story. And then he would give their name at the end and it was normally somebody famous. uh, So he'd tell you the rest of the story. Uh, It was pretty neat. So for the rest of the story, Absalom was a proud man. And we know that one of the things he took pride in, which was quite amazing, was his uh, hair. Not that I'm jealous there or anything. The Bible says in Second Samuel fourteen twenty-six that he would cut his hair one time a year and weigh it. In fact, the Bible says that it would weigh uh, two hundred shekels after the king's weight, uh, which in our measurements would be at least three pounds. That's a lot of hair. There is a solemn warning in this passage because the very thing Absalom idolized. Ultimately, brought him to destruction. Subpoint A Absalom is in the grave. grave. In the last part of chapter 17, we see the clouds of doom beginning to gather around Absalom. As Hushai gets word back to David of Absalom's plan, this allows David to prepare for the upcoming battle. In chapter 18, we see David numbering his men and dividing them into three groups. His faithful followers did not want him in the forefront of the battle, but they knew he was God's man, and they went out to reclaim the throne for him. David's one critical man to his three leaders, which was heard by all the people, was to be sure to deal gently for my sake with the young man, even with Absalom. The Bible describes the battle as a great slaughter when David's men destroyed Absalom's army and an even greater number were destroyed by the terrain in a place described as the wood of Ephraim, as the Lord fought for Israel. When he made the sun to stand still in Joshua 10, 12-14, so he fought for David. Absalom, no longer high and lifted up, now jumped onto the back of a mule to flee for his life. It was at this juncture that his head caught hold of the oak, leaving him dangling between the heaven and the earth. The Jewish historian Josephus wrote that it was actually Absalom's hair that became entangled. See, I'm just taking precautions here. (laughs) Absalom's good looks and his luxurious locks were certainly doing him no good now. And uh, so one of David's loyal followers spotted absalom hanging helplessly and hurried back to tell his commander joab when joab heard about absalom's predicament he exclaimed i would have given you 10 shekels of silver and a girdle if you had killed him while this may have been the expedient thing to do and it might have brought about the immediate end of the battle the loyal follower uh, which yeah be interesting to you know know who this was if it was yeah, exactly who this, this person was. Um, but the Bible doesn't really say who it was. Uh, he answered, I would not kill him for a thousand shekels because I heard what the king said. And uh, it does make me think that, like, there's a lot of us no-name people, um, but the Lord still records some of the, their faithfulness that they have. Uh, may we just be faithful uh, so money didn't sway this man, uh, nor did the fame. He was just committed uh, to what the king wanted. The Bible testifies that if we are to be loyal followers of Christ, we must keep his commandments. Proverbs 4.4. 4. Is that me?
1: Yes. taught me also, and said unto me, let thine heart retain my words, keep my commandments.
0: And John 14.15 says, if ye love me, Keep my commandments. Uh, Here's a funny illustration. As a pastor was welcoming the guest and the church members before the service, one member uh, excitedly informed him that he would be visiting the Holy Land in a few months. The man was especially excited to climb to the top of Mount Sinai, where God gave the Ten Commandments to Moses. The pastor paused for a moment and said, Instead of climbing to the top of Mount Sinai and traveling all the way around the Holy Land, I I have a better idea for you. It will save you both time and money. What's that? asked the church member. Uh, Instead of reading the commandments on Mount Sinai, why not just stay here and keep them? Today we may be loyal followers of Christ, committed simply... Today may we be fo- loyal followers of Christ and committed simply to obeying the King. And, and with that verse uh, is better to obey than to sacrifice. So again, if you got a somebody loyal, there's always somebody disloyal. So our example of the disloyal follower, despite the King's request, Joab decided he knew better. He took three darts and thrust them into the heart of Absalom. Unlike the lowly. Uh, anonymous soldier who had done his duty, Joab deliberately went against the word of his king and personally put an end to Absalom's life. He undoubtedly thought David was being too lenient with his uh, traitorous son, but it was not for him to overrule the king. So many today, even among those who would call themselves Christians, rebel against the king's commandments. People want to do things their way and not necessarily God's way, although they may not declare; uh, they may not dare to say it out loud. Their attitude is as Pharaoh's. Exodus five two. And
1: Pharaoh said, "Who is the Lord that I should obey His voice to let Israel go? I know not the Lord, neither will I let
0: Israel go." And kind of, yeah, again reminds uh, Pastor Readers, thing this morning of that's uh, what kind of evolutionists kind of. Kind of do. Uh, il- another illustration. Uh, in a in a book, How Life Imitates the World Series, uh, Thomas Boswell tells this story about Earl Weaver, the former manager of the Baltimore Baltimore Orioles. Weaver had a rule that no one could steal a base unless given the steal sign. This upset Jackson because he felt that he knew the pitchers and catchers well enough to judge when he could and could not steal. So one game he decided to steal without a sign. He got a good jump off the pitcher and easily beat the throw to second base. As he shook off the dirt of his uniform, Jackson smiled with delight, feeling he had vindicated his judgment to his manager. Later, Weaver took Jackson aside and explained why he hadn't given the steal sign. First, the next batter was Lee May, his best power hitter, other than Jackson. When Jackson stole second, first base was left open, so the other team walked May intentionally, taking the bat out of his hands. Second, the following batter hadn't been strong against that pitcher, so Weaver felt he had to send up a pinch hitter to try to drive in uh, the men on base. That left Weaver without bench strength later in the game when he needed it problem was jackson saw only his relationship to the pitcher and catcher weaver was watching the whole game we too see only so far but god sees the bigger picture when he sends us a signal it is wise to obey no matter what we may think uh no matter what we may think we know all right last point on here david is on the row Absalom was dead, the rebellion was over, and David resumed his reign in Jerusalem. David's heart was broken once more as he mourned over his son and continued to reap the consequences of his sin. Yet, even in his sorrow, his regrets, David couldn't know that he obeyed God in this matter and had exercised meekness. He had also seen God once again work everything out in his own way. So in, conclu- in conclusion, the story of David and Absalom illustrates beautifully the New Testament pr- principle that the meek shall inherit the earth. Matthew five five.
1: What <coughs> are the meek? For they shall inherit the earth.
0: Some might have accused David. Some might have accused David of weakness or even possibly cowardice for refusing initially to take up the battle against his son. But God's all. But God's ways and God's timing are always perfect. David knew the importance of waiting on the Lord. Absalom was judged, and David was vindicated. As believers, we need to be sure that we are responding to trials in a way that is both God-led and God-honoring. Look at Psalms 37, a psalm of David for some actions you can take that will help you develop meekness. Psalms 37, 1 through 11, first verse says, Fret not thyself because of evildoers, neither be thou envious against the workers of iniquity.
1: For they shall soon be cut down like the grass, and wither as the green herb. Trust in the Lord, and do good. So shalt thou dwell in the land, and verily thou shalt be fed. thyself also in the Lord, and he shall give thee the desires of heart.
0: Commit thy way unto the Lord, trust also, in him. <clears throat> trust also in him, and he shall bring it to pass.
1: And he shall bring forth thy righteousness as the light, and thy judgment as the new day. Rest in the Lord, and wait patiently for him. Fret not thyself because of him who prospereth in his way, because of the man who bringeth wicked devices to pass. Cease from anger, and forsake wrath. Fret not thyself in any wise to do
0: evil, for, for evildoers shall be cut off. But those that wait upon the Lord, they shall inherit the earth.
1: For yet a little while, and the wicked shall not be. Yea, thou shalt diligently consider his place, and it shall not be. But the meek shall inherit the earth, and shall delight themselves in the abundance of peace.
0: Alright, so that is lesson number 11, Dare to be Meek. Um, we've got eh, a couple minutes to look at some of the questions, so we'll, we'll, we'll pick out a few here see what we have remembered. So how did Absalom take the hearts of the people uh, of Israel away from David? Yeah, kind of, kind of little sneaky. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, acting like he's doing it. There are some things you got to be careful with well that's kinda of like a lot of scans are. <laughs> <laughs> people do doing good things that just don't feel quite right or true. And that's kinda of what Absalom is doing there. So let's see, let's do question number three. Name one of the people who stayed loyal to David and describe his actions. Also name one of the people who turned against him.
1: I have Joab who stayed not loyal. David. Yeah, you
0: picked the wild card. soldier didn't. Right? <laughs> <laughs> That's a good one. All right. Yep, yeah, that one's good. And then that, the, the crazy... Shimmy, shimmy eye. I was <laughs> oh, I don't know why that, that one sticks in my mind. It's one of those in that story when David's <laughs> running with. All right. Well, let's see. well, how about question four? List some events that made it apparent that God was intervening to bring about the downfall of Absalom. Uh, there could be, like, a lot of different things here. we kind of, yeah, what are the events that look like Absalom's rising and is going to, has complete control, and then there's some kind of some events that are kind of like, okay, Lord's uh, kind of working here? Uh, Council
1: uh, of turned.
0: Yeah. That is, that is the main one. Yeah, and it says in there, uh, oh. Yeah, Second Samuel seventeen fourteen the Lord had appointed to defeat the good counsel of Athith, Thithophel to the intent that the Lord might bring evil upon Absalom. So the Lord, Lord's in control. <coughs> um, yeah, and you also see, you kind of see some of Absalom's pride being lifted up. And Normally in history when you have a leader that gets, starts to get that cocky, that's normally the start of their, their downfall. Uh, define or describe the trait of meekness. Yeah, that's a good one. Yep, yeah. yeah, there's, a, there's a, meekness is kind of one of those traits that kind of have like a lot of different uh, meanings. That was good. All right. Uh, Does anybody have, on question kind of seven, a scenario, an experience about meekness when you exercised it, seen some profit, or maybe a situation where maybe you should have been a little more meek, uh, or somebody you admire for being meek yeah
1: He ended up emailing me
0: back and apologizing for his huh. behavior.
1: So it's like oh, wow. a soft answer turned into a so, so it doesn't always work
0: out that way. But yeah.
1: if, I, if I would have responded the way my flesh wanted me to, it would have not have
0: turned out that way, probably. Like the sons of 0 I I'll just chop off his head. <laughs> That'll fix it. Okay, you know what? Are you reading your Bible? You should read your Bible. <laughs> Yeah, like customer service, Katara helps out with her uh, granny at a pool store. and It's, it's, it's funny, some of the, the stories of people coming in. and it, yeah, it's, it's hard to deal with people, it really is, especially, yeah. Some people are just really good at it, um, but we all should be meek towards people. Um, yeah, a person I think of, there's a, a lady kind of on the side of um, not easily imposed upon i think of uh, mrs giordano for whatever reason you always like drop by her house and she would chat or fix dinner or you know somebody asked her to build a set for the church president's day or play she'd always be right there always helping and she's like she's kind of one of those people that Yeah, and she wasn't like, she had some really amazing talents. But you kind of really want to know it. She's pretty humble and, I don't know, she's kind of one of those people I think of of being meek. All right, so we'll go ahead and close in a word of prayer. And we'll dismiss here. All right, let's pray. Lord, just thank you for uh, this evening that we're able to come and just look at your word just uh, examples you have put in the Bible uh, for a reason. These aren't just "quote unquote" stories, or um, but these are specific uh, historical events that you have have marked down for eternity that we might uh, see some things you want us to see, and may we let uh, your Word and your Spirit change our hearts, and uh, just specifically tonight looking at being meek and not easily imposed upon, not easily offended, uh, just not dealing with situations in our own power or flesh, but just letting you take control. Uh, just uh, pray for those who are not able to make it, and all those that are out with the sickies and uh, whatnot, and uh, just just be with everybody. That safe travels back home, and just love you, Lord. We need you in Jesus' name. Amen.